not only a Jets fan, but a Jets fan in a family of all Giants fans. So it's been uh, the way the Lord has sanctified me as being a Jets fan. Um, but it is uh, always a privilege to be here. I enjoy um, it's probably each of the last few years I've been able to speak and share. Uh, I know my dad was was involved with uh, with NCS while he was here and the legacy of faithfulness and fruitfulness that just continues on. I know several guys at Grace are involved in, um, at all levels here, and it's just, um, it, it is just for me to take a moment to take a span around a room of Friday morning of, what, 40 to 50 guys coming uh, by choice is a pretty pretty cool thing anywhere. I think in Bergen County in 2023, um, uh, I hope you guys know how how impactful this is and how unique this is. And uh, it's, um, I hope I can just be um, helpful for a few minutes this morning and spur some conversations amongst you. Um, and again, not only were we up to 11 o'clock, but like that, if I'm up by 11 outside of an elder meeting, like something went wrong with our four kids. That's the only reason why. Like, so uh, bear with me as I, as I work through it. But um, can I just open us with a quick word of prayer and just set our minds and hearts? Father, I pray that even as we pause now, we would be given the grace and the strength to dial in. I know there's a full day ahead for all of us. Uh, many of our minds are, are heading there before we get there. So I pray for just the grace and the mercy to pause, to hear from one another, to hear from you, and to know that uh, this uh, these next few minutes if stewarded well, will do much to shape not only the rest of our day, but potentially the rest of our week and our month and our year. And we just pray that it be true. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So in talking to Matt, who I know spoke last week and did a great job and just heard this recording of that. So I'm looking forward to, to listening to that. So he has also shared how maybe an unofficial theme that has been circulating around the group is, is transformed, the transformation. And um, if you think about that word and you think about if you were to say, you know, what would cause you to say to somebody, um, man, you were transformed. Like what, what would you need to see to get to that level to use to that word? Um, what you're probably saying is that what I see now is barely recognizable to what I saw before. Same person, but a complete difference, a complete transformation. You were that, and now you were this, to the point where you'd say, you haven't just changed, you haven't just grown, you have transformed. You experience a, a breakthrough, and, and it's noticeable. It's jarring in a good way. Um, I was thinking about this. I was talking to Kurt just before. Um, how many of you are familiar with the name Brian Cushing? I said the name Brian Cushing. Yeah, good amount of you. He, he, was, he was either a year ahead me when we were in high school, I went to Midland Park, he was at Bergen Catholic. Um, the kind of infamous story that went around that I, I think is true with Brian Cushing is that between his freshman year and his sophomore year, he went from 165 pounds to 230 pounds, all muscle. And um, I actually was talking a couple of weeks ago with a guy, uh, the guy from Grace, whose son played football with Cushing at Bergen Catholic. And he talks about that. It was either between freshman, sophomore year or sophomore, or junior year. And it was like the, the epitome, excuse me, the epitome of a transformation and not a natural one. All right. That was like the, the best kept secret for Brian Cushing is that he had uh, some anabolic help 
And uh, that was probably in the time where it was just kind of becoming more known. But then he would go on to play at USC, go on to play for the Texans um, and would receive suspensions along the way. It's something he never seemed to really get past was the, the PEDs. But uh, he, he wanted a quick transformation and received it. I'm not saying he didn't work hard, not gifted, not going there, but he received help because he wanted to transform faster. And I think that's a way a lot of us want to uh, view our Christian life. So we want fast transformation. We know which we want. What's the fastest way I can get there? And then we get frustrated if we can't transform as fast as we want. Um, but in, in pastoring for the last eight years, here's where I have just increasingly grown in my conviction that when it comes to transformation in the life of believers, there's no shortcut to spiritual growth. And most often, transformation happens not through a big change one time, like I just need to make one change one time, transformation will come. But more often, it's many small changes over a period of time. Not one change one time, but several changes over a period of time. A renewal of thoughts and habits and practices and waking up tomorrow and doing it again and then waking up tomorrow and doing it again. And then as C.S. Lewis says, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but I look back and everything is different. And I think scripture very much backs this up. Second Corinthians three, verse 18, Paul says this, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, watch this, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Connect the dots there. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. It's a continual process, but from one degree to the next slow, steady, faithful transformation. I think that's the way God, God designed it. And so this morning, briefly, I want to offer two truths to remember each day and one practice to instate. All right, two truths to remember each day and one practice to instate that I believe God can use to contribute to real transformation in your life over a period of time. Um. So last winter, I had the opportunity to participate in a virtual leadership cohort with a handful of other pastors from around the country. And each week, they bring in a different speaker, different, um, you know, to talk about a topic. And there's a pastor named Dehadi Lewis. Dehadi Lewis down in Atlanta, Blueprint Church. He spoke uh, to us one week, and he shared these two truths that we need to acknowledge and affirm every single day in order to lead emotionally healthy lives. He's talking to all men in this group. He's all pastors. And he, he just cut to us right in the, at the beginning. He said, a lot of you pastors are gifted. You're emotionally unhealthy. You're probably emotionally unhealthy. So what's it look like to be emotionally healthy? He said two truths we should, we should acknowledge every day. And I'm kind of taking that to apply. I think this is, can also apply to transformation. Here's the phrase. If you remember nothing else this morning, here's the phrase. Two truths. Life is tragic. And God is faithful. Life is tragic and God is faithful. And ever since I've heard that again about a year ago, I see it everywhere. It's not that, listen close, it's not life is tragic or God is faithful. As if you need to choose one or the other. It's also not that life is tragic, but God is faithful. As if one cancels out the other. It's life is tragic. And God is faithful. 
And there's no such thing as good days and bad days. There are just days that we live over and over again that include both things we celebrate and things that we grieve. In the Old Testament, God named his people Israel. You know what Israel means? Literally means the man who struggles. And God named his people the man who struggles. Life is tragic, you see. And God is faithful. So one at a time, life is tragic. Um, of the two truths, I think this one is probably universally accepted, no matter what you believe or what people believe. And uh, Tahadi made the observation that all religions exist in an attempt to try and answer these questions. Why is life tragic and what's the solution? Every religion underneath says, why is life tragic and what's the solution? And I would just add to that, that's not just religion, as we commonly define that, that wrestles with this. But any worldview, including the what's, especially my generation, the fastest growing religion in our area in my generation is the kind of humanist, secular um, religion of the self-professed nuns, N-O-N-E. I don't want to affiliate myself with anything, any religion, any institution, any authority, and who can kind of um, create, like, I just want to live my best life and do what fulfills me, right? That, 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 that's a religion. It's just not called a religion. And that's trying to answer the same exact questions. Why is life tragic and what's the solution? And so you can ditch religion, but you're not gonna ditch those questions. And there's nowhere we can go, no job we can work at, no place we can move to, no school we can put our kids into where there won't be struggle. And this reality that God allows pain and we navigate a world where there is pain and struggle and even harder to understand sometimes, he actually leads us into it. Matthew 4, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, led there. God not only allows pain, sometimes he leads us to it. I don't need to spend too much time to convince you that life is tragic. Um, uh, I, I wrote something around this topic for our, our, uh, our website, our writing platform. And at the time, I opened up my New York Times app. And I just said, I want to look at the four most popular stories of our New York Times app. And that day, here's what it was. Number one, U.S. gas prices hit a high. Number two, Putin is ready for a long war with Ukraine. Number three, gun deaths surged during the first year of the pandemic. And number four, interestingly, on that day, there's been a seismic shift that fractures evangelicals. New York Times app, top four stories, economic woes, global unrest, sociological strife, religious fracturing. They all reveal a perspective on the tragedy that is life and the pain and struggle that encircle us in small ways and big ways every day. And I would say this morning, if we had time to go around and say, how much are you feeling the reality that life is tragic? Some of you are feeling it more than others this morning, but we all will feel it. The Apostle Paul says it like this in a letter he wrote to a church in Rome. He says, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And while in this room, all men, we can resonate with that. We can't totally resonate with the pains of childbirth, but those of you who've seen it, you, you kind of know, right? And Paul says, and like that phrase, it haunts me, for we know, we all know. We all know this life is tragic and that this creation is groaning. 
but we all too often choose to not acknowledge it, choosing to live in kind of denial. And what's interesting about 2023 is that you can distract yourself enough to avoid the fact that life is tragic. You can fill your days with enough to be distracted by it. But we know, we all know, life is tragic. Number two, God is faithful. God is faithful. Um, if you were to list out, what are the best qualities someone could have? Um, what's the best quality someone could observe in you? They say, hey, tell me about this person. What, what, what's the top list that if you heard that, you'd be like, that's good. Some version of the word trustworthy would be near the top of the list. You can trust him. That's good. It's such a relief to be with someone or work with someone you know or be married to someone you know that deep down you can trust them. You trust their yes is yes and their no is no. You trust they will do what they said they will do. You trust they'll be honest with you whenever you approach them. And that just that we would, we would yearn to see leaders, especially in churches, developed and spotlighted because of their character more than their charisma. That's a little bit of a side note, but for those of you who are in churches, like how, how do you value the character of your leaders more than the charisma? Do you care that they can be trusted more than they can be fruitful on stage or somewhere else? And of all the graces upon my life, I can say that possibly none is greater than the spirit-empowered belief that when I'm alone with the Lord, I know I can trust him. Can you trust him? That while he allows pain and at times actually leads us into difficult situations, you can trust him in the midst of that struggle. And you have this litany of promises. Or if you read the scripture and you're in the word, like you won't go long before you come across a promise that reminds you, you can trust him with this. He will never leave nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Not one of his children will be snatched from his hand. John 10, 29. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to bring it to completions, Philippians 1, 6. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, Colossians 1, 17. And so, just as you, there's nowhere you can go in this world where there won't be struggle, so too there's nowhere the children of God can go where you are not kept, sustained, and upheld by the presence and power of a God who is faithful. You can trust him. So life is tragic. Now let's put it together. And God is faithful. Two truths to remember every day. And again, Pastor Dahadi really drawing from him here. He says, you need to hold these two in intention together. That one doesn't cancel out the other. One doesn't negate the other. They are held together. And here's the illustration he gave from his own life of this truth. It was the date, September 19th. September 19th, for most of Dahadi's life, had no meaning. It was like any other day, any other date. Up until a few years prior, that date changed when his dad died on September 19th. And then from that moment on, and many of you can resonate with this, when that date comes back, it hovers. It's a cloud. It's the day his dad died. And for several years, it was a struggle for him to get through September 19th. 
But then I forget how many years, it might've been three to four to five years after that date, on September 19th, his son was born. And ever since September 19th is this ringing reminder of this truth that life is tragic and God is faithful. And he grieves the death of his dad on September 19th. And he celebrates the life of his son. And he would say that if we neglect one or the other, we will fail to live the way God has called us to live. Because if we don't acknowledge the tragedy of life, we live in denial. We, we lie to ourselves. We fail to empathize with those who are suffering. We have kind of the Christian stoicism of like, just keep a stuff, stiff upper lip. Nothing can bother you. I'm, I'm a Christian. And you don't allow yourself to feel the emotion of living in a fallen world that comes with that. And if we don't acknowledge the faithfulness of God, then you, we lose hope. We struggle to persevere. And every day is a battle. And then we look to cope in ways that will never deliver. And we know what that's like. We tried those ways. It's only when we live in the tension of both truths that we can seek to bring a kingdom perspective to a broken world. So final question, how? Those are two truths to hold together. How can we do this? And there's where I'll finish with a single practice to consider and stating each day. And it's going to sound simple and then I'll unpack it. The single practice is this, confession. Confession is the willingness to tell the truth of what is going on inside. And when we confess the emotions that we are actually experiencing, as opposed to lying to ourselves under some kind of sort of fake it till you make it mentality, we suffer. Those around us suffer. But God's call on our lives begins with a confession. And when you hear the word confession, you might be like me, that might be more like rooted in something negative. You got to confess sin, and that's hard. And it's, um, and, and it's just this kind of negative aura around confession. But do you know that life begins with this confession, Romans 10, 9. If you confess, meaning tell the truth with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let us recapture that meaning of confession, that we confess Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, then we are free to confess what's true going on inside us each day. Because the cross of Jesus Christ is the single most illustrative event of the truth. Life is tragic and God is faithful. The crucifixion of Jesus was a tragic abuse of injustice where an innocent man was wrongfully accused, arrested, sentenced to death. To where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's tragic. And, not but, not or. And the crucifixion of Jesus along with the resurrection is the sovereign plan of a loving, faithful God who has healed the rupture of the fall through the death of his son, Jesus. Summed up with the phrase, it is finished. <clears throat> Life is tragic, and God is faithful. And once that confession is made, we now can have this daily practice of telling the truth of what's going inside of us. 
How am I feeling? What is my inner life feeling today as a restored believer still living in a fallen world? And so ask yourself in the morning or evening, pick a time each day and ask yourself this question. How are you? That's the practice. We say to everyone else, you said probably a bunch of times this morning, how are you doing? Can I ask you, have you asked yourself that question? How are you? Is there hurt? Is there loneliness, sadness, angst, fear, shame, guilt? Is there gladness and hope and joy? Tell the truth to yourself. Tell the truth to the world around you because I don't think you will experience gladness in Christ until you confess the other emotions truly. Men from the past often would, would do daily journaling. And it's, I think, I don't know how many of you guys journal ever have, but it seems to have fallen off. I think one of the reasons why men would journal is because they wanted to tell the truth to themselves. And so they had their journal because it was hard to tell it to others. But God promises to sustain you. God will be faithful to his promises. And I believe that a commitment to these two truths and this daily practice will transform you from one degree to the next, because suffering comes before hope, the cross comes before the crown, but the crown will come, brothers, and hope will rise. And I'll finish with Paul's, um, Paul's words in Romans 8, and he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know how I think we could sum up that whole passage? Life is tragic, and God is faithful. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your truth that you have revealed yourself truly to us. And Lord, we don't need to lie about the pain that's in this world. We don't need to lie about the pain that's in our hearts. But we can tell the truth because you have made a way to restore and redeem us. You have healed the ruptures of the fall inside our soul. And so as we navigate this fallen world and we grieve and we lament, we don't grieve as those who have no hope because our hope is on you. The hope is in your son, Jesus. And I pray for, for every man in this room that this truth would fall afresh upon us today. That it would shape our thoughts, that would orient our desires, and that would lead our actions in the world that you have sent us into to reflect the glory of your son Jesus, to shine his light into the darkness, and to make it one more day. Father, we're all just making it one more day. And we know that you will sustain us to the end. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.